not well read Sit back, play some dick jokes on a podcast instead Different guests from near and far Bringing bright light to the dark They sit down, have a heart to heart Then joke about it, fart to fart So listen and enjoy it Funny fucked up stories Committing mental crimes Do some time with Drew Lord. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Doing Time, where humans talk about their experiences in a psych ward. Today, we have Chicago comedian John Torres on the podcast. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good now that I'm away from my <laughs> office. I'm doing a lot better. Hell yeah, me too, man. I ended. <laughs> I ended early on my own time, so that's you know, the move is to never d- take PTO, but you just don't work. <laughs> Yeah, I I really need to start taking PTO. I never take it. (laughs) I was one of the only three people in my office that got, well, that had to work in office the entire pandemic while everybody else got to work remote. So that was fun. Oh, my gosh. That sounds horrible. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Do you work close to home? No, I work in the South Loop and I live in Logan Square. (laughs) It like actually couldn't be worse. Yeah, I missed that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I missed that pandemic commute though. I'd get from there. I'd get from Logan to the South Loop in like 15 minutes. So true. So true. I miss that shit. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar. Sorry, I can't speak today. Um, on the podcast, I first question I always ask is how much time have you done, and that could be psych ward therapy, um, anything of the above. When you you know feeling like you wasted time in your head. Wasted time in my head or like therapy wise, I would definitely well, say yeah. Typically it's like psych word, but I have a lot of people on who haven't been in a psych word, so what they consider time is like, oh, I spent a month in my room depressed, if that makes sense, you know? Oh yeah. I've uh I dip in and out of depression quite often and mm-hmm. uh but as far as like going to therapy over twenty years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How old are you? Thirty two. Okay, so you started pretty young then. Yeah, and it was kind of my idea. Wow. Okay. Do you yeah. when do you want to talk about when you started slash like what prompted that? Yeah. So um, I had uh, what is known as an identity crisis when I was in the eighth grade. So <laughs> okay. it uh, it sounds weird to say that as like uh, oh you you were an eighth grader having an identity crisis. Well, what happened is is uh, forever, uh, I thought my name was Jonathan Sabatini, and mm-hmm. it is Jonathan Torres. My mom hated my dad so much that she hyphenated my name and signed me up for school under her maiden name. Wow. And when I went to graduate eighth grade, they're like, oh, this is uh, this is the name that we're, that we're going to say when you graduate. I was like, that's not my name. And they're like, actually, it is. So Whoa. I found that out. And uh, I'm like, I'm Latino because uh, I, I, I never met my father. I never Sorry, met. That's not funny. It's just like. Oh, no, it's hilarious. Like, it's, like, it's, it's like to get told that by like a principal. You're like, wait, yeah. you're the bearer of bad news. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my dad's way shittier. Not than that it's a bad was. thing to be Latino, but I'm saying like that you didn't know your dad. <laughs> yeah. What well, depends oh, who yeah. you ask in this great country we live in. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of American flag bumper stickles will uh, will tell you different. Oh, for sure. But uh, yeah, it was a real trip, and I'm like, uh, who the fuck am I? I always thought I was like super Italian, 
And I mean, I am. I'm half and half. My mom's Italian. Mm -hmm. My dad's from Cuba. And I just never knew that. My mom did such a killer job raising me. I never really wondered where my dad was. And I just felt this sense of being robbed of a culture, of this identity that I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it was jarring, to say the least. But it was also like, oh, I get to go into high school and be a completely different person that I was in eighth, like in grade school. I was a fucking loser in grade school. I'm like, <laughs> fucking fresh start, baby. This is this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you? How did that affect you in the in the immediate when you first found out? I felt like I felt like I was kind of lied to. Mm-hmm. Like you just we, never. We were. <laughs> I, oh, I know. I, I mean, I definitely <laughs> was. Like, I'm like. You couldn't yeah, have sat me down. And, yeah, I'm like, you couldn't have sat me down and told me this shit a while ago. Mm-hmm. But it was just one of those things that never came up. And I mean, you know, God forbid a single mother that also has to take care of her mother living with us has enough on her plate. Maybe she doesn't have time right. to sit down with her son to have the talk of, you know, your father's a huge piece of shit that doesn't mm-hmm. even live in this country anymore. Right. So how did that did that affect your relationship with your mom at all? No, not at all. Okay, so you were real, you were pretty understanding. Yeah, of and her I not mean, saying anything. It, it, it was also one of those things, and I I honestly think it was because so my so my dad had a hard time finding me, because mm-hmm. he was abu- he was an abusive piece of shit, mm-hmm. and okay. uh, that the and that was another thing is you know you start learning all these things and when you find that out about yourself you start asking questions that you've never really asked before, and mm. then you start realizing like oh man. Uh, yeah, my my both sides of my family fucking suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the time between you finding that out and you going to therapy? It wasn't really that long afterwards, and it wasn't like traditional therapy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a recovering Catholic, mm-hmm. and it was like the fucking bullshit church therapy. Yeah. Until for sure, I. For sure got a little bit older and I'm like, yo, I want to go to like a guy that went to school for this, not somebody that prays to this magic man in the sky that I don't fucking believe in. Absolutely. And I want real answers and uh, maybe some drugs to help me feel better. Uh, (laughs) Maybe some drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to Satellapram. You're keeping me alive. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a very generic version of something I've never heard of, but. um, Oh, yeah. Well. I mean, yeah, that's a lot to process as a kid. And did you, when you went to therapy, was that the main topic of discussion or did that lead into other things or what was going on there? I think it led into other things. The The fact of I now had this empty space of like, who the fuck am I? Where, where, did, where, where am I really from? And then the whole idea of who am I? And not only that is going to, school on the south side of Chicago where there is a lot of Latino people, you know, I I had no idea that I was going to be fucked with so much for being, uh, in their words, a fake Latino. I'm a white Mm. Latino. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's weird. I'm uh, I'm not white enough for white people and I'm not uh, Latino enough for Latinos. And it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's really cool to be cast out from two different groups and you don't get to feel where you are, and then every, everybody made up the term. I'm gonna get some shit for this, but people made up the term Latinx, and that's mm-hmm. not real. That's not really a thing. It's just mm-hmm. 
people trying to grasp for straws of their culture that they weren't invited to or told about or part of. And I, I got into that for a little while. And then I'm like, this is not for me. This is this is bullshit. Yeah. This is some privileged bullshit. <laughs> um, so, you know, it sounds like you obviously had an identity crisis, but I want to go back to something that you said earlier that sounded interesting. So you, when you were going from eighth grade to high school, you found out, which is a really interesting, vulnerable time as a kid. Oh, yeah. Do you, when you, you know, you said, I felt that I had this, obviously an identity crisis, but that I could be this new person. Cause I know when you transition from eighth grade to high school, you, you know, people see you for, you know, what they think is who you are sort of thing when you're going into high school and then you form your groups based off of that. How did that did your personality change or did anything change within that because of what you found out? You know, it's funny that you asked that because most of my friends and my homies that I skated with didn't go to the school that I went to. I went to uh, a Catholic school in order to play hockey. And uh, it that, that that's another thing like, oh, brown person playing hockey. That's fucking weird. It's like, well, no, it isn't because <laughs> they're in the NHL, dickhead. Right. But uh, <laughs> it it made me realize that ethnicity doesn't dictate who you are as a person. And it also doesn't it, it, it shapes the way other people look at you until they get yes. to know you. It, right. it, it, it 100% shapes that, which is bullshit. Because we're supposed to live in this big melting pot of a country, but I think as we learned in the past five years, uh, it's far from that. And mm-hmm. everybody hates mm-hmm. people that don't look like them or sound like them or are into the same things as them. Right. And it's funny right. because the world doesn't change much from being a kid in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything I've done since high school has stayed high school. Yeah. Starting comedy, it's high school. It's all high school until you find yourself and find your group and, you know. Oh, yeah. What lunch table do you sit at for the comedy? It's Mm -hmm, like, oh, mm -hmm. all right, whatever, man. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) And it's funny you say that because it's like your identity shouldn't dictate how other people view you. But in reality, it it really does. And I think because it's interesting because it's like you find something out about your personality or your identity right that you're you know you're latino but it's like that doesn't change who you are as a person but it only changes who you are as a person because of the way that people are going to view you because now you identify as such you know so it's a weird it's a weird situation i've never i'm i'm glad you're talking about it because i've never had anybody on the podcast who i'll be honest the only thing that has ever changed is that i get to check a different box when I apply for shit now. Exactly. Exactly. Credit cards, my student loans, my job applications, all that shit. So yeah, you want to lump me into your fucking minority hire? Go ahead. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like that shouldn't even be a thing. It shouldn't, it shouldn't even be a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I gravitated so much towards being a punk rock kid Mm. is that it was yeah. Let's big. get into that. Yeah, it was it was big. You know, people look at you with your studded jacket and your tight pants and your patches and your weird fucking hair, and mm-hmm. people want to lump you into a group. And punk rock is also incredibly ironic. Is that they want mm-hmm. to, they they want to be all inclusive. They're very anti-racism, very anti-capitalist 
type of people. But mm-hmm. also, you know, if you don't have the leather jacket like us, you're a poser. It's like, right. no, man, you're, you're, you're a walking contradiction. You just like fast music and you have a mohawk and you don't brush your teeth. Like, <laughs> yeah, I used to yeah, get like, made let's, fun let's of. Let's keep it real. Yeah. I used to get made fun of because I wasn't dirty. I'm like, no, I'm going to take a fucking shower. You could be you could shower and still be punk rock. Totally. Totally, <laughs> man. I love that. Yeah, and I, I yeah, that's it's interesting. But what what did you what made you gravitate towards that? Is that it was people that were welcoming for no other reason than that we liked the same type of music and you get to get out a lot of frustrations like going to local shows, being in a mosh pit, jumping off stages and stuff like that. If you fall, right. people don't know your name, but they're there to pick you up. Right. And Right. As cliche as it sounds, a lot of times you don't have people in your life to help dust you off and pick you back up. So there's a sense mm-hmm. of family and happiness there. The only problem is, is it's rampant with alcohol and drug problems. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a destructive side to it. Oh, yeah. But that's where that's where it gets super tricky because those groups are su- there's such a tight bond but then once you get into, you know, drinking and all that stuff, and if you become, you know, if you're an addict or whatever, then it becomes a manipulation of like, but we're family, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you want to be real punk rock? You'll take these pills I found on the floor with me. Like, yeah, no, yeah, man, yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm, I'm not getting into that tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, so what was the, what was therapy like for you um, in terms of, did you stay in it when you were 13 or was it on and off? It was definitely on and off. One for a money perspective of okay. having a single mom and uh, trying to play the most expensive sport in America, which fucking mm-hmm. sucks, which is really dumb. They should make hockey a lot cheaper because then it maybe, is it is very expensive. Yeah. Then maybe more people of color will be like wanting to play and stuff. But hey, mm-hmm. that's only my opinion. I don't know if I could change the world. Uh <laughs> But it was definitely on and off. But when I got older and when my grandmother passed away, that was when I actually took therapy seriously because I had to cope with a major loss for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And then it was on and off until then. But then when I hit my, 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 uh, like right before my mid 20s, I started mm-hmm. taking it 100% seriously because I knew something was not right. Mm. Okay. And what type of. So. When you went to therapy because your grandma passed away, so I'm assuming she was kind of like the matriarch of the family. Kind of, sorta. Like we lit when my when my mom and dad split, we had no money, so my mom moved into her parents' home, okay. and my grandma gotcha. got sick, so we helped mm-hmm. take care of my grandma. But my right. grandma was okay. there every day, so it was like having a second mom in a way. Mm-hmm. Like she would teach me how to cook, help me with homework, do all this other stuff. And it was the first time that I had ever lost somebody that I'd spent so much significant time with that I Mm -hmm. didn't know how to cope with loss like that. And uh, the the main feeling I had was anger. And Mm. that's something that I've been having a hard time dealing with for the past, you know, 13 years is that deep down I'm a very angry person. I may seem likable and laughable and all this other shit, but deep down I'm a very angry person because Mm -hmm. My life was a lot harder than it had to be because mm-hmm. my family on both sides, my mom and dad, are such selfish people. 
Mm. When on my mom's side of the family, when my grandma passed away, the only thing that they would talk about is like, when are we selling the house? When are you moving out? And it's like, motherfucker, mm-hmm. your mother just died. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, I spent a good majority of my time and my own money fixing up that fucking house and I didn't even receive a thank you. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm very familiar <laughs> with what you're what you got going on. Yeah, I I just went um, to my step grandpa's funeral like a couple last month, okay. and um, nobody like it was more just about like it felt it was a little like about assets, you know, versus like the person that died. Oh yeah. Um, and I can say I understand what you're going through. I can't really speak further on it because I feel like people listen to this. But I can no, say okay. I can uh, I can say I know what you're going through with people uh, putting their own needs first for sure. Um, but I feel like, and I don't know if I don't know if this is, you know, something that you feel as well. But I think when you're a kid that goes through something really traumatic, um, whether it be you know mental health issues or like you an identity crisis, I think. You grow up super fast because you learn about the world way quickly, you know, more quick than other kids do. And so you're able to realize when people are being selfish um, more than them. So I feel like when you're a kid realizing when your grandma died, you're probably like, oh, no, this is not how adults should act. But you're the kid realizing that, you know? Preach, sister. Like, I have had to be an adult Mm -hmm. probably since I was 13. Is that I was a, yeah. I, I grew up a latchkey kid, you know. It was mm-hmm. my job to also with growing up in Chicago, you know. You start it, kids that grew up in Chicago will get this. Like you start taking the bus by yourself at an early age. You start taking the train by yourself at an early right. age. You get uh-huh. this whole new world of self awareness now that you either have or you don't have. I have luck. I've been lucky enough to never be robbed or really fucked with because mm-hmm. I just you know self-aware but Mm -hmm. what you said about being forced to grow up jesus Mm -hmm. christ it is so true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean my because so when i went to that funeral my dad uh didn't we knew he was dying so i flew out there before i even knew he was dead i didn't have a job for a month and i spent five hundred dollars like pretty much spent my savings not my whole savings, just like I took money out of my savings. Yeah, and good chunk. To go, right, to go to St. Louis and see my step, step-grandpa who, by the way, I don't even care. He wasn't that nice to me. Like, I didn't, <laughs> but 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 he was my grandma's husband for 26 years, and that's what you do for family. And right. my dad, my dad, who I have an on-and-off relationship with, he had a trip to Alaska with his friends, and I was like, hey – are you going to come to St. Louis? And he goes, well, only if David dies before Saturday. And I was Jesus like, Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you say, you know, you grow up fast, like, I grew up fast after 13. And then I went to go, you know, with my family, and everyone was like, you are such a good person. You're, And I'm like, thank you, and I appreciate the compliments. But it's like, no, I'm just doing what I should, you know? But I don't think people know how to be people i don't think people know how to be a good friend i don't think certain people know how to be a good family member they just do what's best for them because that's you know all they've been taught but growing up i was raised by you know mostly by i mean i was raised by both parents but mostly like like single mother last half and she really taught me like you always have to do the right thing and like put others before yourself sometimes and um that's what i did and i you know it's the same thing with you where you're like, 
I'm helping my whole family, but everyone's like getting greedy, you know, yes. when I'm the one who's like, yeah. And I spent so much money to go there and hold my grandma's hand while she was like burying her husband. And it's like, my dad isn't there and that's her only son. So it's kind of fucked up, but it's like, I think I learned how to do that because I grew up so fast as a young kid. Cause I've done shit like that before. This isn't the first time I've done shit where people are like, what the fuck? You know? Well, you also uh, have the, the, you have empathy and sympathy and compassion mm-hmm. for other human beings other than yourself. Absolutely. But I kind of want to 180 back into something that I've learned in therapy because you, you, yeah. you, you talked about this as you spent that money and things like that. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to be selfish and when to not give so much of myself to other people because Mm -hmm. it's so bad for your mental health is that you're like a rubber band, right? Uh And every once in a while, rubber band snaps because you can't stretch that thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens to us, you know, as fucking human beings. Mm -hmm. And I hit a point where I had a fucking nervous breakdown and I'm like, I can't. I need to focus on myself for a change. That's why mm-hmm. I fucking, I just graduated college at 32 because I lacked the ability to focus on myself when I was younger. Well, good for you for finishing it through, man. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, I'll never pay it off. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's besides the point. Yeah, good for me. I got a fucking $40,000 piece of paper on my wall now. Uh <laughs> But that, that was something. Oh yeah, they sent me. They sent it to me in the the shittiest envelope with a twenty percent off coupon for framing. So shout out shut to Con- <laughs> shout out to Concordia University. You guys got your every fucking dollar worth of me. Well, uh, honestly, dude, I well to be fair, and I will. We can talk about this. It's a really interesting topic. I I did put others before myself most of my life, and that's why I did like ended up attempting suicide when I was twenty, and I. 2021 I don't even remember it's all a blur but like I I feel like that was because I was so focused on other people um to the point where like my family was killing you know what I'm saying like trying to deal with like my fucked up family was killing me oh um, I, I, t- I totally yeah. understand that because yeah. god forbid so, yeah, get, I'm also t- not because yeah. I'm not Latino enough for one side of my family they look mm. down upon me. And how fucked up wow. is that? Because I'm like, you know, I'd be a lot more Latino if you guys uh, talked to me as a child. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you said a few words. Yeah. I think. It's, that, it's a trip. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, I think being able to laugh about it obviously is huge. But I also, I also, you know. I want you to talk about too, and I could share my personal experience with like being stretched too thin, but what was your nervous breakdown like? Oh man. Oh man. Uh, I was working a job that I hated. Mm-hmm. I kept being involved with my family that were just selfish, shitty people. And one day I just fucking bailed. I, I just yeah. I, I quit my job. I didn't talk to people for weeks. People didn't know where I was, mm. and I was just gone. And I'm like, I, I had a thing about what the fuck am I doing with my life? Mm. And I was more scared than anything because it was right around the age where a lot of my friends were graduating college on time, like normal people, and they're like, "Oh man, I got these jobs lined up and all this and that." I'm like, right. "Cool, I'm." 
literally doing nothing with my job or with my life. And uh, I actually dropped out of school to play music. And when that fell apart, that really fucked me up really bad. So that had a lot to do with it. Wow. Because, like, I was lucky enough to play shows like the Metro in Chicago and stuff like mm. that. Like, the band I was in was... It, it felt promising. It was doing a lot of things. But uh, looking back on it now, I just I, I laugh at myself. I'm like, you were a fool to think that <laughs> a, a creative venture like that was going to work out. Mm-hmm. And even it, and it's ironic because I do comedy now, but I feel like I have more of a gauge on that to be realistic in certain parts of my life. But mm-hmm. a lot of it had to do with just like everything I loved wasn't loving me back, whether it be my family, my my, my thoughts of what my dreams were, uh, okay. my my lack of income. I was broke as shit, driving a shitty car, still living with my mom, and I'm just like, "What the fuck are you doing with your life?" Mm-hmm. And what made what made that shift? I think it was breaking up with this person that I was seeing mm-hmm. because they're like, "I want to get married." I'm like, "We're 21," mm, and. Uh, shit. That's dumb. And then it was just, it was all of these, yeah, it was all these intense pressures at once. And I was just like, I've had enough of everything and everybody. And it's my turn to be selfish because I feel like I haven't actually lived my life for me yet. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You're like, give me a few weeks. I'll be back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Man, I feel that. I, um... I kind of went through a similar experience, I'd like to say, in the sense that I kind of fell off the face of the earth. Where, like, I quit diving in the middle of a meet at conference um, Holy shit. in college. Yeah, no, I literally just like left. Like I had a mental breakdown and I was like, I'm going to kill myself if I don't leave. And then my mom drove me home and because um, it was in Indiana. I, I drove at Denver, but our conference was in Indiana. My mom came because it was close to Chicago and she drove me home. And then I ended up going to therapy for like a long time, like exposure mm-hmm. therapy. And um, people came up to me like a year later and they're like, wait, you graduated from Denver, right? And I was like, oh, people really have no idea where the fuck I was for like the past year, you know? So, and I was at DePaul. I was like, oh, I've been at DePaul for like a year now and whatever. And I think that for, for me, similar experience where I did have nervous breakdowns because of other people where, you know, I'd be at diving practice and my brother's a heroin addict and, um, he would, he called me once and I, and I wasn't speaking to my dad at this point, like long story short, I was going through a really, really hard time with my dad where I wasn't talking to him, but I sent him this like 10 page letter that I worked on. Like I, I wrote it and then my mom edited it. Like it was a whole thing and I oh, worked fuck. so hard on it. And then three months later, we ne- we didn't talk for three months. Like there were times we talked, like it would be like, hi, how are you? And then that's it Yeah. for like a couple of years. But then for three months, it was just like rogue. And then I called him and I was like, did you read the letter and he's like no I just couldn't do it and so he never read it I don't know if he ever did because I think he like didn't want to face that hardship um yeah a lot of dads have that problem (laughs) yeah like it's not only your dad but yeah so he that was like a big thing when he didn't read it I was like wow like all this work I put into like trying to mend this relationship that should be so you know crucial to my existence he doesn't really give a fuck and whether whether he was intending to do that or not, that's how I felt. And then my brother was in a ser- like a very dark. He still is, but like dark time where he was using and needing money. And he called me at diving practice and I and said, if you don't ask dad for money 
and give it to me, I'm going to jump in front of a bus. And I, and I have a gun. I'm going to buy a gun. And I know, and I have looked up the ways to kill myself. And I know I'm going to do it. And I was like, fuck. So I, and I'm like very emotionally unstable at this point. Like not knowing like the, I knew the manipulation of addiction, but I was like, I can't have this be like his last words that he says to me, like knowing right. that, that this is a thing. And so I told my coach about it and he was like, well, like you have to leave your problems at home and like. Oh, thanks like coach. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, well, that's why I left. Cause he was like really not understanding. And so. I get back on the diving board, but I go into the locker room to call my dad. And my dad's like, I'm not dealing with this. Like, it made my relationship with my dad worse. And so I realized, long story short, dealing with all of this and dealing with my brother and dealing with my dad and dealing with my stepmom and dealing with, like, a ton of other things. Like, my mom had breast cancer when I was in college, and she didn't even tell me until, like, later. It was, like, fucked up. And then I was like, wait, where do I come into this? You know? And I'm sure you felt the same way where you're like, why is my life revolving around everybody else when I could be doing my own thing, but I'm so focused on everybody else's feelings. And then I had a breaking point and I like broke down and I left because I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't, yeah. you know? So it's yeah. amazing how much pressure, uh, adults that don't want to, I'm not going to say that they don't want to be parents or don't know how mm -hmm. to be parents. Cause I'm not one, but mm -hmm. is that they, they're like, no, that's not the shit that I deal with. But like, mm -hmm. no, it, it, it is. Cause no, you, you made me, motherfucker. Yeah, you, you <laughs> created this person. So technically you created the problem and you right. should help fix it. Like, Handle it. Yeah. I don't like I don't talk to my grandma on one side of the family because she's like, oh, you disrespected me. I'm like, no, I didn't. I told oh, you they that. love doing that. That's a classic line. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, nah, that's not a real. And I just said, I'm like, no, nah, that's not a real thing. Yeah, I go, my dad uh, says the same thing because yeah, I, I like no, disrespected him when I was 13. I was like, I was 13, dude. <laughs> yeah, and it, like my whole thing was I was like, you don't get to say that about me because you want me to forgive your son for being a shitty father mm -hmm. when in turn I'm still a child. A child mm -hmm. doesn't get to be the adult in the situation because you still look at him because he's your firstborn son as this little boy that can do no wrong well he did a lot wrong because uh he knows neither of his sons and did a shit job yeah. taking care of him mm -hmm. and just kept running away to different countries like the motherfucker lives in france now and he's like he says he's retired and i'm like you're just coasting off your new wife yeah totally i mean that's interesting you say that because i had this similar experience when my step grandpa passed away recently and i went with my grandma I didn't even say anything about my dad because she really gets upset about it that I don't have a good relationship with him. And she was screaming at me. And I, I swear to God, John, like I didn't prompt. I didn't say anything about it. I didn't prompt anything because I was like, I don't want to, I don't want her to deal with another thing. Like her husband just died. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want any negative talk about your father. I love your father and blah, blah, blah. Like being like, he's the best thing in the whole world. And he's the God son under God's earth and all this shit. And I'm like, okay, like, let's reel it in. He's not, you know, whatever. I think there's this, with especially with the older generation, they have a tendency to sweep everything under the rug because they don't want to deal with the emotions that follow it. Well, they um, don't know how to because it was never encouraged. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, I can't start processing this because I don't even know how. Um, and it sounds like, you know, your grandma's a little similar to mine in that sense. Um, your is your are, are any of your grandparents immigrants? 
Um, my grandma is, yeah. She, yeah. She, that's yeah it. That's, she, that, that's that immigrant mentality right there. Mm-hmm. Nothing can kill me because I'm so tough. It's like, what about all these problems? She's like, don't look at that shit. Look at this other shit. Mm-hmm. My grandma um, is, so I'm Jewish, and my grandma was a German Jew, moved with her sister to Dominican Republic when she was like six, I think, to have my great aunt. And then they moved because, you know, the, <laughs> the Holocaust, um, yeah, they moved out of, yeah, <laughs> that whole thing in the thirties, but they basically like moved from Germany to Dominican and then back to the U S. So she is an immigrant and she speaks, you know, or she spoke like, fluent German and Spanish and whatever, but you're right. It is that mentality. And I think it's difficult to deal with people like that because you're not going to start feeling things at 80 it's like a little too late so you just have this constant butting heads where it's like two people one wants to deal with it and the other one's like i don't know what you're talking about let's deny it till the day i die kind of oh yeah it's really it's really frustrating i've had a i've had a weird instance uh recently these past couple months is that um my uncle joe who or jose that i don't Mm -hmm. know very well has two daughters that i've never met because they're like 20 and 21 or 22 and uh, just one of them connected with me on Facebook because she's like, oh, I'm moving to Chicago. And I'm like, oh. okay, cool. So I got to meet her and stuff like that. And they said it was weird because when I met them, they're like, wow, you look just like your dad. I'm like, you guys would know more than me. And uh, that, <laughs> that joke bombed at dinner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe another time would have been better but <laughs> ah, fuck it you know if the joke's there you gotta do it uh, yeah totally <laughs> man i've been there where i'm like if everybody else saw this joke they would have thought it was funny okay <laughs> yeah different audience um and it's it's been yeah. weird because i'm just like i mean that's cool that we're related but I like I, I want to try to be a good cousin like I like I had to save her from Lollapalooza because her boyfriend got drunk and well she's not from here she's like do you know where Michigan Avenue and Van Buren is I'm like yeah the center of Chicago oh, I'll be right I'll be yeah, right there yeah like <laughs> everything yeah what are you talking about yeah and uh I, I don't know I, I just you got to try to be a good person with that and and let the other stuff go because that she never did anything wrong to me, so why would I mistreat her? But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think she's uh, I think she's slowly learning the things that were hidden so well, and mm, uh, now now they're not. And I'm just like, yeah, there's a reason why you're meeting me for the first time at 21 and not mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Um, it's hard to find the balance, uh, especially with you know. Like my cousins that are clo- like closer with my dad, and I'm close with them. It's hard to find a balance of how much you can say about a person that you're not really fond of, and how much you can talk about them because you're like, well, what what if they tell him, or what if they tell the person that's close to him, kind of thing. Oh, who gives a shit? I I say whatever I want, yeah. and I I've just stopped that's caring. Good. So now, if people be like, did you say this? I go, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. You just you just weren't mm-hmm. there for me to say it to your face. What and helped you do that? Because I like I feel like I do that, but. I do that more now, for what sure. What helped me do that? Mm-hmm. Realizing that nothing bad will happen if I say these things. Yeah, is hell that yeah, man. This person can't hurt me. This person can't do me any damage financially. I have no reason to ever ask them for help. So mm-hmm. what's wrong with a little hard truth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And if they don't... Yeah. And if they don't like me, I, I wasn't trying to talk to them in the first place, so they can go fuck mm-hmm. right off. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's um, it's a it's a big sense of freedom. Yeah, I made my I made my statement to my one side of the family. I haven't seen them since my cousin killed himself. Mm. And wait, what is that a cousin on your dad's side? No, my mom's. Oh wow, he was like my he was like my cousin. Hey, it's 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 whatever. I mean, not real family. So I mean, it sucks. But he was a good guy. He showed me a lot of like cool music and stuff when I was younger. But um, it's it, it's still the idea. I feel as though. Uh, mental illness was ignored and you cannot ignore somebody that is heavily depressed or schizophrenic or whatever they may be. You can't ignore it and pretend things are going to be fine. You have to face your problems head on and tackle them because that's what real family does. And I feel like, totally. I feel like that's just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm talking out of my ass half the time because people will be like, you don't know what you're talking about and all this and that. And I'm like, well, you can't, you can't, people aren't allowed to tell you how you feel. Right. Right. Totally. And I think too, and I was going to ask you this, like how does, cause I know like for me right now, you know, my dad or whatever, all this shit that I've been through and stuff doesn't really affect me anymore. I think I've come to terms with it. Do you still struggle with identity or what's like, is that still something that you kind of, you know, a little bit here are, and there dealing with? Uh-huh. I mean, when, when people are like, when people see my name and then they speak to me in Spanish and I can't respond well, it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But on the okay. other hand, like, does I, that bring back memories or like, not really? No, it's okay. something that I, I've, I've worked on getting over for years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I still practice here and there, you know, it's, it's just hard to find people to converse with that won't be dicks. Uh, cause you don't know. And it's the same thing. Like, why are you allowed to make fun of my Spanish, but people can't make fun of your English? Like you see, totally. you see the fucking contradiction here, dude. Like everybody, everybody wants to be able to communicate with each other. Just don't be a dick about it. But totally. it's, it's, it, no, it's, it's definitely one of those things that I've let go. Those, I know those people can't hurt me. Right. And it's nice. Uh, like if all those people were to go away tomorrow, I wouldn't feel any different mm-hmm. than I well, would Well, that's good to realize, you know, that's a really good thing yeah, to realize. And that was, that was a huge breakthrough moment in therapy for me is that I was like, oh, these people that I'm concerned with about the past. And like, I have this weird thing, like I'm obsessed with time travel. I, I have always been since I was a kid. And uh, that's why I have Back to the Future tattooed on my whole left arm. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, you it's its a reality check that you, you can't change the past. You can only work on being a better version of yourself in the future. And you, you just can't let shitty people from your past ruin something that's good for you now. And if you're in a good mm-hmm. mental headspace now, why would you want those people to be around? And I feel like I've made that statement, like, without seeing these people for so long, I feel as though I made my intentions and message clear is that you do nothing for me and I do not like being around you. So why would I waste my time being around people that, that where it feels like their intention is to make me feel lesser. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you're acknowledging in your, it almost feels like you turn the corner with like self love where you realize that your time is worthy Oh, absolutely. Um, your time is worthy of valuing yourself and pulling out when you feel like you're being stretched too thin. Um, I think that that's, that's really great. And a lot of people struggle with thinking about what others think of them, which I, we all struggle with it to some extent. 
Um, but I remember I was listening to this motivational speaker recently and he was saying it's the most powerful thing. He was like, you care more about what other people think of you than, uh, it's like something like, I don't know the quote exactly, but it's basically saying you care more about what other people think than more than the energy that they give to you. Like more Absolutely. than, the, you know, than they even think about you. You're thinking, you know, what you care about what they think and they're not even giving a damn about you. They don't even have a thought about you in their head. Yeah. So why should you care more about them and what they think of you than like the energy that they're expelling for you, which is nothing. And, and I, th I think one of the yeah. things that does it is that we're so minuscule and tiny on this planet and you have to mm -hmm. realize so many of the things that you make a big deal, it, they, they affect no one but you. So why, mm -hmm. are you, why are you letting this one thing drive you absolutely bananas? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That has a lot absolutely. to do with it. Do you, like I was going to ask you too about like where you're currently at with, so if, do you, depression wise, when you were, you know, I obviously sounds like when you had that nervous breakdown, you were depressed, but like, does it show up? now or like what's your mental health state like? oh yeah he comes and hangs out every once in a while he comes <laughs> over to he comes over to the house kicks his shoes off puts his feet up on the fucking <laughs> coffee table we hang out every once in a hell while hell yeah all right um, man let's and get it's into it it's fucking imposter syndrome that's his buddy he always okay. brings with him in a backpack and god damn it is he always hanging out wait so imposter syndrome that's funny that you mentioned that because that seems like it'd be co-morbid with identity crisis. It, it, it has something to do with it, yeah. Because it's like, is this me? Who am I? You know? I think it comes more hand in hand with being a creative, is that you have to ask yourself, like, what the fuck am I doing? Am I wasting my 30s being in these bars? Am I mm -hmm. wasting my time telling my fucking dingling stories on a fucking stage right now while I could be mm -hmm. trying to buy a house or doing normal shit and being home with my girlfriend that I love a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, like, I, I get the feeling of like, where do you get off thinking you're funny? Like, mm. why, why are you up there? And then like, I'll see other people and I'm like, oh, that's why. Cause that person's definitely not funny. And they're, they're on the same thing with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For sure. But no, um, it, it like depression, depression's definitely still here. I go to therapy pretty much every, every other week. Still, okay. I, have a, I have a great therapist and it, it helps out. And I think my I think my depression comes from uh, always trying to do too much. OK. And what happens when you get depressed? Do you back away? Do you just like disengage or are you like a functioning depressed? Person? Uh, I, I have high functioning anxiety, so I'm a very high functional depressed person. Okay. where I don't get to, I have a problem enjoying being in the moment where okay. I, uh, I'm doing something fucking rad and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing tomorrow and not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. That's a huge Well, yeah, problem. cause it's, it's anxiety is future based. So oh, it's yeah. hard to stay in the moment when you're so worried about the future and worried about everything. And for sure, there have been times that I regret that were amazing times because I spent my time in my head versus being actually present and cherishing, you know, what I had in that moment. So I think it's really important to ground yourself when you're in those moments if you know that you have a tendency to kind of like disassociate and get super anxious because there's been so many times that I have left, you know, a comedy club that I've always wanted to perform at and did it and then I was like, well, the whole time I was just thinking about like other things and I should have been present. And so oh, that's, I think that everyone should work on that, you know. But I also think too, like, I don't know if you're like this, but do you have social anxiety? 
at all? Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm what's known as an extroverted introvert okay. is that I fucking love my alone time, but I also mm-hmm. know how to mask up and put on a fucking Walmart greeter face and smile yep. at everybody at the same fucking uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, why am I so tired? I'm like, oh, dummy, you just uh, you just forced yourself to pretend you were happy for several hours at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's a really exhausting. Yeah, when really you're tired and you don't want to talk to these fucking people and shake hands and kiss babies and do all that fucking bullshit. And I mean, mm-hmm. it, it isn't even just comedy based. You know, you got to do it at work. You got to do it in your regular life when you meet people that are quote unquote important and shit mm-hmm. it's it's definitely one of those things mm-hmm. yeah i it's exhausting i feel like there's sometimes and i'm sure the audience can relate to this where you can be in so many situations in a day and you haven't really done anything but you're so fucking exhausted and it's mental exhaustion it's like putting it's, yes. on a face at work is so exhausting and being like are they gonna look at my comedy don't say that you, you know like i just the whole time, I'm just like, I, I feel like I create situations that are mentally exhausting for myself, but like they have a purpose, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're, but I think, you know, even if you don't do stand up, everybody has that experience of putting on a face for each situation that they're in. And I think once you kind of realize how to be yourself, it's very freeing. Cause it yeah. sounds like for you, you're like, I don't give a fuck. And like, I don't really give a fuck anymore either. Um, but there are certain times where I am emotionally exhausted and I realize it's cause I'm not being myself, you know, and I'm putting yeah. on this mask. And I think recently I've been so good about just saying whatever. And I'm like, well, if I get fired, then I'll just find another job. You know, like I realize yep. certain things I'm like, oh, this isn't a big deal. Yeah. And I did that. I did that exact same thing today where I went off on somebody because I, I just said to him, I go, you don't get to talk to me. Like I'm a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And I hung up the phone Damn. and I'm like. I'm like, go ahead and fire me for that shit because I don't get paid yeah. enough to not stick up for myself when I'm yeah. being talked to like a fucking child. Hell yeah, man. I wish I could give you a high five. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. I love that. And you want to yeah, know what's I mean, funny? I didn't hear a goddamn thing about anybody anybody saying anything. It was quiet as shit in the office afterwards, I'll tell you that much. Good. But, as it should be, man. Silence is golden sometimes. You're like, silence says a lot more than words a lot of times. And, you know, I think... Sometimes even speaking up for yourself is speaking up for other people, which is amazing because I'm sure other people have been talked to like idiots in your office as well and haven't felt the urge to say anything because they're too afraid. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are times where I wish I could have spoken up for myself and now it makes me speak up for myself even more because I'm like trying to make up for, yeah, make up for shit, man. Like I... Big scene. Being in the comedy scene, like if we can transition into that, we have like, we can go for like five more minutes, but like... I mean, transitioning, I mean, just even like just the comedy scene for me has been really difficult to navigate as far as networking, because at first I was like, oh, people are nice to me. And then I'm like, oh, they want to fuck me. And I like didn't understand that because I'm such like I am like nice to anybody regardless of who they are. Like they could be, you know, and so I because I literally I grew up with a heroin addict, autistic brother. Like I don't it's like you don't I don't care who you are where you came from, I will give you the same time that I give to anybody else in my life, you know, yep. unless you're a dick to me. And and it's like, so I did that at first and then I just got a bunch of creepy people and honestly more creepy women than men. 
Really? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can talk after the podcast. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. A lot more creepy women and men, too. But, it, like, it's interesting because I was just talking about this on the last podcast. Like, how since I am single now, people treat me very differently. And it's so fucking... Oh, that shit's so yeah, weird, isn't it? It's so weird. Like, oh. I, I like, was like... Because I was telling Jamal, I was like, oh, I thought people were rude to me because... Or they thought that I was rude because they were super standoffish with me. But I was like, oh, no, I was just, like, off limits to them. And I was like, why can't we just be friends and hang out? But everyone's kind of slimy. Yeah. So... And that's, like, shit on anyone. It's just, like, people are slimy, and I get those vibes a lot. And um, it's really... You know, it's difficult to navigate the scene, but now after being like violated and harassed a few times, I am like, I have my guard up and I have guns blazing. Like if you say shit to me, I'm like, no, 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 that made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't fucking cop out. Don't tell me you don't remember saying that to me. You fucking did. And it made me uncomfortable. I am definitely one of those dudes. Like when I find out a guy is being creepy, I just go up to him and I'm like, you have to leave right now. And if you have a problem with it, I will go outside and I will fight you on the sidewalk like a fucking eighth grader. Yeah. And I've had to do it at Gallery Cabaret several times because dudes are fucking creepy. Oh, what a scene, man. I wish I could have seen that. Oh, yeah. And I I pulled a dude out by his backpack once, and I'm like, all right, first of all, you're you're an an adult man. Don't carry a backpack. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) it, It's it's so slimy and creepy that you guys have to navigate with that shit and put up with it. And I'm glad more people now are able to call that out and not worry about their spots because you know what the comedy scene is huge and if you don't like one thing you can start another one and steal everybody away from that and fuck the creeps that Mm -hmm. not not literally but figuratively (laughs) yeah you're like you can fuck no but yeah you can i don't recommend it yeah don't no not highly recommended but yeah yeah, it's it's interesting and learning and getting that freedom and sense of self to be like no i'm independent and it's funny because one of my close friends told me recently and I said this on the last podcast podcast too where they were like oh um somebody was like oh surprised to see if Drew gets booked without St. James and I was like what What the fuck why yeah and I was like I was just I I thought that was really funny and it doesn't affect me you know what I'm saying like this is only the third time I'm mentioning it like I didn't even tell anybody because I was like this is so fucking stupid where I'm like it's so interesting how people attach you know their insecurities to other people where it's like the people that are saying that never get booked you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's like the people yes. that say that never fucking get booked, so they have to put other people down to get to make themselves feel better. And I was like, that's so interesting because like we have both very separate comedy careers, and like very, we'll be on different shows, booked by different people. And I was getting booked a lot before we even, you know, started dating. And I just think it's super funny how people do that. And my whole point to this is that I have let go of people's opinions and that stuff because I'm like I know who I am and that's the most important thing so whatever you say really doesn't have anything to do with me it's sort of your problem exactly um, also people don't know yeah. how to just do business in comedy like for sure for oh sure. man what is, what's gonna happen I go I don't know man they're adults they could coexist in a space for about an hour and uh, not lose their fucking minds yeah exactly when people are like oh is it okay if he comes to-? I'm like I don't fucking <laughs> care we were in love for like three years. I don't like I can see him for a minute. It's not a big deal, dude. Yeah. Like it's it's such a weird thing where people just are so emotionally inept and don't really realize like what the fuck's going on. Well, that's because they're too wrapped up in other people's bullshits. They have right. uh, like 
a, like a thought for themselves. And that's that's yeah. the whole thing of like. And I love the people who are like, oh, you broke up. And I'm like, honestly, thank you for not knowing. Like, thank you for not being a part of the fucking gossip. Yeah. I didn't really you know, know until like I saw you at a party. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Whatever. Want to hang out? Later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. It's an interesting it's an interesting scene. And it's interesting to I've, I've grown a lot emotionally um, from people not being grown. Yeah. <laughs> in the scene and um learning how to just be myself has given me so much freedom of like like you said you know not really caring what other people say because you're like i know that i did the right thing and as long as i can yeah. sleep at night i don't really give a fuck about you you know there's a so like uh i've only listened to like one or two episodes of this do you guys turn it mm-hmm. around at the end and do anything positive because there is something i want to talk about on like a yeah. positive like on a posi of note because like i'm a yeah. big I'm a big, like I try to, I'm a big proponent of PMA that comes from punk rock, which stands for positive mental attitude. Shout out I to love a, it. Shout out to HGO. Yeah, you're like, do we have to feel like we're going to call ourselves a <laughs> <this whole> podcast? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and um, yeah, no, I usually at the end of the podcast ask people like what their one piece of advice is for someone going through whatever they're going through. So that's typically what I ask. But Okay. I didn't know if you were trying to cap it at a certain time or what. Yeah. So go ahead. Tell me what what you what you're thinking what's a Bruin it it has a lot to do with your inner child what makes that inner child happy think back to like when you were innocent and pure before the world kind of corrupted your brain mm-hmm. and there was no other f- time that I felt freer than when I was a kid hanging out at the skate park with my friends not having a care in the fucking world mm-hmm. and I I skateboarded, sure, but my big thing was rollerblading, very unpopular thing. Um, and I, I did something for myself. I bought a pair of rollerblades and I started skating again for the first time in like 13 years. And wow. I've never been happier. I feel like after I skate and I get a good sweat, and my heart's pumping and I come home. It's different than, you know, doing your workout routines or whatever. I feel like on my drive home from the skate park, I feel like I just had a fucking monster therapy session. Oh, that's amazing. And like finding your inner peace. It's it's dope. Like mm-hmm. doing stuff that you used to do helps you reflect on how short life is. You're like, oh, man, I used to do this. And then you think about it. You're like, oh, my God, yeah, that, was, that was that was not that long ago. Why am I yeah. not good? Why am I not good at this anymore? Ah, who gives a shit? I'm having fun. Right. I did that recently with... Um, my like best comedy friend Diego, um, he like we he wants to learn how to. Do you know Diego? He, like, yeah, he was in the he was in the green he was in, yeah he was in the green room at Saney's. Okay, yeah, no, he's the best. So we're he's like one of my best friends, and basically, he wants to learn how to do like stunts and stuff for sketches and whatever. And we went to a trampoline park, and I was like teaching him how to do flips, and I was doing a bunch of flips, and I was like, this is so. Like, it makes me feel alive again because I'm like, I'm yeah. good at this. I know how to do flips. I can teach someone. And then, like, he's like, you're really good at teaching. And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel so good. That I, can, <laughs> I know, like, right? Do something and then feel so good about it. And, yeah, it's about really finding that inner peace. And, like, I definitely did gymnastics as a child. So it, you know, helped me feel that way again and helped me feel alive, which is super awesome. Oh, That rules. Because, um, like, yeah. I'll get that feeling when I go when I go play hockey with some of my, like, old friends that I played yeah. with for a long time. 
but mm-hmm. also like skating time. That's that's me time. It's you versus mm-hmm. yourself, and you get to totally you get to pick your own challenges and then overcome them for the day. And you're like, mm-hmm. I did this, and I did this, and I did. This. I might have failed at this, but I got these four other things, and that's dope. Yeah, yeah, man, that's awesome, and that literally is like a good cap of the podcast to you know, for a piece of advice to people to feel themselves um, is to find your inner peace and find that inner child, which is beautiful. And yeah. I love that. And um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be skating. You can go, go buy a fucking retro no, gaming yeah. system when you were from the, by the video games you played when you were a kid. Nostalgia mm-hmm. is a weird dopamine release in your brain that you, you need every once in a while and it's fun totally. and, it's, and it's usually pretty innocent, but right. it's, it's pretty great. Yeah. We were definitely the oldest people at that trampoline park. So, <laughs> um, but okay. So, anything you want to plug? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I'm a producer of Don't Tell Comedy Chicago. So go to don'ttellcomedy.com, and uh, we're in a bunch of different cities. So if you got some listeners outside of Chicago, go check mm-hmm. that out. We might be in a city near you. And awesome. I also have a podcast called Brick a Bracket, um, where we bracket different things that like off the wall. So no food, no pop culture stuff. So we'll do like worst, worst tattoos, bad haircuts, best drinking games. And we turned it into a game show and it's, it's a lot of fun where we just get to shoot the shit with, uh, with comics. And I'm going to try to start getting musicians on too. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Love it. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. This was great. Thanks for having me. This was this was yeah. actually a, this was fantastic. I feel like I was in a therapy session. This was right. Dope. Hell yeah, that's the goal, man. I love it. I love it. Love it. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to Doing Time. <laughs>